0: We're going to look today at uh, who Jesus is, and quite honestly, um, there's, who, who are your friends, who do you follow, who would you go to battle with um, in, in the war of life, you know, and if it was a battle, um, would you want to go to war with him? So I was at Boca Raton Community Church as the interim, and an older man came up to me named Gene Rupp, and uh, this was 20 years ago. And Jean uh, said, "I've seen Sheridan House, and he's a snowbird. I was only here during the winter, and I've seen things about Sheridan House. Can I come see Sheridan House?" And Jean came down, and uh, to see Sheridan House, and we sat. And I said, "What do you do?" And he says, "I work at Taylor University, and I also would like to know if you would come up to Ta- Taylor University, um, to do uh, uh, the chapel, student chapel." And I'd heard of Taylor University because the whole world gasped when Jay Kessler walked away from being founder and president of Youth for Christ uh, and wrote the greatest book, Christian book on teenagers on planet Earth, great radio, worldwide radio. He left Youth for Christ to become the president of Taylor University. And uh, Ze- Ravi Zechariah talked about Taylor University all the time. His kids went there. And so I went and um, I'm, they picked me up at the airport and we go by the Rupp building, Gene Rupp, Rupp building. And uh, they take me to Mr. Rupp's office. I, he right then started going from Gene Rupp to Mr. Rupp to me, for me. And I said, what do you do here? And, I, and he says, I'm the uh, vice president in charge of development. And uh, so we're talking, we're talking, we're talking. And uh, I said, could we start meeting? And he said, uh, yeah. And then I met Jay Kessler. I, I did say in the letter of, uh, of commitment to come, what I want for the honorarium is I want to meet Jay Kessler. Uh, one of the greatest men in the Christian world, and talking with Jay Kessler. And and, uh, I said, you are in the middle of nowhere. You're an hour and a half from any city. How do you promote Taylor University? And he said, Gene tells the stories. He tells the stories. And he said, "Um, tell me about Sheridan. I said, when we were off of 441, and when we were off of 441, no one could find us. No one knew what we were doing on those six acres. And Gene started coming and he says, you've got to have stories to tell. Tell the stories. People want to support you if you tell the stories, if you tell the stories. And it became amazing. And then uh, Roby ended up going to Taylor. He got accepted at Wheaton, and I made him uh, go look at Taylor after I did the, the, the second chapel for them. And he said, oh, don't make me go out here, Dad. Don't make, I, I, I'm already going to Wheaton, and, and I'm graduating in four months. It's too late. And he, I said, just give me a weekend. Go out there. And he went out there. It was a life changer. He said, I cannot believe how smart these people are out here. If I went here, I'd be like the only non-valedictorian. And so he went and it changed his life. But it all started with, for me, with a man named Gene Rupp who said, Sheridan House has stories, tell the stories, tell the stories, tell the stories. you got to keep telling the stories. Gene Rupp, when I finally realized who he was, I started listening, raising close to $100 million a year. I started listening in a university that, in fact, they are so remote. I asked Dr. Kessler, you're the only Christian college university I've seen that has no curfew for the students. How is that? And he said, where would they go? <laughs> there's nothing but farms. For an hour and a half away to Indianapolis, there's no place to go. Plus, they're adults, aren't they? They could be in the military. It's time for them to make their proper decisions. Yeah. the fact. For us each the fact that Jesus came and died for us means that we can each have a personal, intimate relationship with Creator God. Let's start there. We can can have a personal relationship with Jesus Jesus Christ. So the important thing with Creator in this passage here we're going to look at is, who is Jesus then? Yes, he died on the cross for me. Um, and that's amazing. but who is He, not what he did? Who is he? And it says. Christ, and Paul wants us to know this so desperately, because I'm sure he's in prison, he's going to be executed at any time, and he will be executed. And why is he not worried? Why is he not scared about his future? He's not worried because he knew. In fact, when he sends out prayer requests, they're for the cities. Not for, get me out of here, get me out of here. No, I know he's got this. I know he loves me. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. All right, why don't you give us a verse? We have no clue what that means. It's God with skin on. He chose to come so low as to be us, his creation. He existed before anything else was created and is supreme over all creation. Bob, do you know who this is? Do we know who this is? I, um, it wasn't yesterday. It was, it was two weeks ago. I talked with another head of a ministry. Um, do, you, do you ever get worried about the funding? And I said, no, it was yesterday. Do you ever get worried about the funding and, uh, here? And I said, you know, every now and then when I get tired, but I've learned money is the bar none easiest thing for God. He's creator. How many millions of dollars would it take a day to feed, some say, two million Jews walking across the wilderness of the Sinai Peninsula? We have no clue how many. But how many? Every day. He fed them every day, every day. And not only that, it was Ubered. I mean, they walk out of their tents and there's the man off waiting for them every day. He, he's. Money's the easiest thing for God, bar none. The, the deal with some ministries and some churches is they keep it, they don't give it away. We're given to give. We're given to give. This, this picture here of this Almighty. So. We say we're trusting Christ with our lives here on earth, but, letter A, we quietly wonder if he really has the power to come through. Power to come through. Could be Word there could be power, word there could be ability. Does he have the power? Of course he has the power. The greats in Scripture aren't great because of what they did. The greats in Scripture are great because of the level of their trust. Moses leads them up the sign, up to, to go across, and he leads them into this crux right here, this crotch of Red Sea and, and, and whatever else that thing was. They're trapped, and the Egyptians come. And the Egyptians are going to annihilate them. Moses takes the stick. This is hilarious. Walks up with the stick. The waters part. And it, it's not amazing to me that he parted the waters because God did that. It's amazing to me that anybody went. You know, Joe, you go first. Text me if you actually get to the other side. I mean, is this an illusion? Did this really happen? I mean, and, and, the, and the fun thing is they were forced. They had no options. It wasn't, well, let's pray about this. Let's fast about whether we should, yeah, we're going. And they immediately forgot about the power of God. He's all-powerful God. We quietly, and because we're Christians, we never say it out loud, ever, ever, ever until you're alone in your car and you're wondering, do you have the ability to fix this? Of course you do. You know, I remember when Rosemary's parents were dying up in Lakeland, and she would drive up every Thursday and come back Saturday, and and, uh, I was dying when she would make that four-hour drive by herself. And and sometimes when I could, I would go. And she came back, uh, and she's talking to me all the way back one time to me. And she said, I finally realized why. I kept wondering why God doesn't take them home, take them home, take them home, take them, home, take them home. And I realized, it's not, I'm not going for them. I'm going for me. I can't fix this. But I'm just going to minister and they can't say thank you. They're not around anymore. I'm just going for me. This is for me. To give it up for me. To let it go for me. Yeah. Or, Will he use his incredible power for a nobody like me? Oh, I know he's going to do it for Billy Graham and Franklin Graham, but this is Bobby Barnes. For a nobody like me? And here's the problem. He knows me. He knows me. He knows what's... How did that get in my brain right there? How did that just... Thought just, wow, where did that come from? He knows me. Or, I often wonder why he would even care about me. Cared so much, he stood up from the throne 2,000 years ago. Of course, there's no time in heaven, but in our time. Stood up for the throne, took off his crown, took off his robe, took off his kingship, and how the angels must have thought we're going. 200 million angels, and how they had to say to Gabriel, Stop. Not this time. You can't go by yourself. No, I'm not going to bring him. I'm going to save him. Then I'll go to bring him. I'm going to fulfill the entire Old Testament. I'm going to be the Passover lamb. I'm going to be tortured and die for them. How the angels must have wept and screamed and watched. And while he's down there, he kept looking at at, at the father saying, "No, this is what we've been talking about. When we started with the blood sacrifice with Abraham, this is what we've been talking about. Me putting on skin and going down there. Wow care about me he died for me he died for you he died for yeah remember one of the fun things because he could have walked out of this is Jesus is there and they're getting ready to stone him I I want to there's certain um uh dvds I'm going to take out from the library in heaven one of them is when they come to arrest him in the garden and uh are you Jesus and he says I am which is the name for God. And the minute he says, I am, the platoon falls down. Now, here's the astounding thing. They get back up and arrest him. I'm thinking I'm leaving. We all, all these legionnaires, we all fall down. Um, see you, Nick, you can go if you want. I'm, I'm going back home and having some food. Yeah, no, they were so blinded to the power of God. And it says in John 8:58. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. Now he's in the temple talking. And in verse 59, at, this, at that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. So he's standing right there. We're picking up stones. To th- I think so often the power of God's right in front of us. And we so have our own agenda. And we so miss the confidence builder of, I've told this before, that group that came in from Jacksonville. Um, I told them not to come, and they came in, and they were doing a children's home, and it's not working, and they flew in and Ubered out. And when they Ubered out, um, she, the lady was a director, and she's asking me questions, and asking me questions, and asking me questions. And I said, you know, you asked this on the phone. I told you don't come. I don't know either. He just does it. I know you take government funding. We don't. I know you take United Way funding. We don't. I know you're a Christian program. But the glory goes to the funder. Stop. Well, we'll go under. I said, you know, when I stopped the government grant my first year, all we took in that year for all of Sharon House was $49,000. We're still here. We're still here. They don't believe me. We're walking out. They're waiting for Uber. I'm standing there. A lady pulls up in a really nice SUV and there's another car behind her. Lady, man. And I know exactly what's happening right here. And they, she gets out, she goes to Rosemary's Bible study and she says, we want to give this car to Sheridan House for single moms. And I say to these, these four people, two couples, I say, can you wait right here? And I take her in, uh, because figuring out how to do the title is way over my pay grade. I don't know how to do that. And so I take her into the lady at the desk and come back out. And the lady had been doing all the talking said, you don't even know who that is, do you? I said, no, I don't. You made the mistake of thinking, Bobby Barnes. Almighty God. Almighty God. Who do you trust. That's right. And that's a choice, not even that's a choice every day, and has to be redone every day. This is the day, I love this verse. This is the day the Lord has made, not this is the year. And as the evil one prowls like a roaring lion, to make me fear, make me discouraged, make me worry. No, 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 no. no! This is the day you've made. So you've made this day for me, and I need to be looking around. I need to see your power, but I need to see your ministry opportunity. I need to not walk by side-of-the-road people. I had the funniest thing happen to me. Speaking of that, it was pouring, and I have this really cool golf umbrella, and there's this person on the side of the road, and I know, you know, she's homeless and single mom, and Spontaneously, I love this golf umbrella I have. Spontaneously, I reach behind me, take out the umbrella, and give it out the window, and she just looks at me, and I can't tell whether there was rain in her eyes or she tears up and she takes my umbrella. And I drive to my next appointment, and there's no parking spaces near where I have to go in. So I'm I'm thinking, is this your sense of humor? I'm parking almost 100 yards away from the building I have to go in, and I don't have an umbrella anymore, and I'm just kind of looking at him, and I'm soaked. And I walk in, and the guy just bursts out laughing. Don't you have an umbrella? I said, yeah, I don't know where it is. And I know, once again, Bob, oh, you got wet. Oh, I'm sorry. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he does everything. The the, the passage is great. It's because verse 15 before this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Why don't you just tell me something I can't possibly explain? What does that mean? For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms, on er- and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones. Oh, thrones, kingdoms, presidents. Amen. He's in charge. Oh, do I know who I'm voting for? Absolutely. I, that's my part I have to do, but He's in charge. Yeah. He made the things we can see and cannot see, even the rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. I don't understand this, this Lord. That's why I just said, trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Bob, and lean not to your own understanding. Are you think you're going to explain me, son? You can't even explain your phone. You know, I was trying to show them pictures a minute ago on my phone. I can't even find stuff on my phone. It's ridiculous. And you're going to explain Creator God? I don't think so, son. Yeah, this picture here is, the bar is way too high. Way too high. The disciples, they were with him for three years, and during his three years, he walked on water. They had the audacity to interrupt him while he's preaching and come up behind him and say, you're going too long. Send these people to town to, to eat. They're hungry. You know, they had to be Baptists uh, wanting to get to lunch. Yeah, send these people to town. They're hungry. And he says, you feed them. What? There's 5,000 men alone. Not to mention the children and the women. What do you have? And this kid, when we get to heaven, I hope this kid has a name tag, the kid who gave the lunch. Gave up his lunch. What's his mom got? Where's your lunch? Call I, him two fish. <laughs> yes, I gave I I gave I gave it to them. I gave it I gave my lunch to Jesus. I gave all I, all I had for today to Jesus. Twelve baskets, twelve disciples. This is so cool. They had to be terrified, and the baskets never emptied. And they had to be going around and saying, "Oh gosh, this is so not going to work. So not going to work." Don't take so much. Yeah, and all of a sudden they finish, they feed everybody, thousands upon thousands. Baskets are still full and they don't get it. Yeah, seeing isn't believing. Believing is believing. Seeing isn't believing. You have to choose to believe. Believing is believing. Yeah, so low, so low. He's the king and creator. We have a king. America, we have a king. And it's time we acknowledged it. Just because I don't understand how Christ could do all the things he does doesn't negate the fact that it is truth. It is truth. It is truth. Absolute truth. Total and complete truth. Yeah. The The disciples didn't have to know how he did his resurrection. Besides trusting. They needed to know that he did it because he's God. It's so fun that he shows up in the upper room. It's so fun that they're terrified that they're the next one's going to be crucified. It's so fun that the doors are locked and he walks through the door. How cool is this? He walks through the door. Yeah, because he's God. The molecules he created. Everything he created. Yeah, he knows. He gets it. Yeah, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realm. How? Well, Proverbs 3 Five and six doesn't say, figure out the Lord with all your heart. Figure out the Lord with all your intelligence. Son, do you know how stupid you are? No, trust in the Lord. And it's interesting to me how God began that in my life. I grew up in a very materialistic home. Um, my dad was well-to-do. Um, he and very, 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 very strong and driven. And my, I'm the oldest, I'm junior, and I was going to law school. I didn't have an option. And, um, and he had it all set up for me to go to law school, didn't have the option. It was, actually, it was kind of funny because IBM, he was in the founding group of IBM in 1945, I think. Uh, they went from time clock machines to this new thing called mainframe computers. And uh, they had a huge involvement in, the, in Dartmouth University. And we're sitting, my, beginning of my senior year in front of the guidance counselor to find my college. And he says, I want Bobby to go to Dartmouth. I'll never forget the look on my guidance counselor's face. She's looking up. In a graduating class of 1,200, I was number 588. I was a senior in, at, at Walt Whitman, uh, and I was 19, because I liked school, so I did, did something twice. Um, and they're looking at, he's looking at her, and he's very driven. And she's saying, well, I have found this school outside of Knoxville called Maryville College. And finally she said, I think he can get in there. And it was a wake up for my dad that I'm not going to Dartmouth. Yeah, I'd have made it a week at Dartmouth. And so I I end up doing that. And then he he made me take the LSAT, the exam to get in. And I was accepted at UT Law School. And I finally had to tell my dad, I'm not. I'm going into the ministry. And because he adored Rosemary, he backed off. And then it was time for me to get my first uh, to try and buy a house. And I needed $2,700. This is how long ago this was. And uh, the house was 57000 in Hollywood. And uh, he says, uh, I said, Dad, can I borrow some money? He says, are you still doing the stupid 10% thing? And I said, yeah, why?" Well, I said, then you don't need any money from me. That was such a gift from God. I didn't know it then but money was my security and I mean I tithed right to the penny the checks were ridiculous right to the penny and I remember asking my pastor do you tithe from the net or the gross and he says well that's not the question you should be asking yourself but uh, do you give to the government first or to Jesus first you tithe from the gross Bob but tithing is the beginning and I'm looking at him, and I, I said, well, I don't have the right to ask you this. He said, you can ask me. I started with a tithe, and I've added 1% a year. When I became the interim at Sheridan Hills, I called for the records, and I saw how little he made. And the comptroller said, that's not the issue, how little he made how much he gave. He gave 50%. By the time he died, he gave 50%. And I'm not doing that. Tithing is... on. And then Chuck Swindoll has the audacity to say on the radio, tithing is for third world Christians. Kill me now. And that was the season I started adding half a percent a year to my giving. Which was... I, I wasn't making anything anyway so that was hilarious. It, it had to be pennies. And, and Rosemary was jacked. And then all of a sudden I see an answer, and the answer is, um, uh, my first book came out in November, and when the book came out in November, I would go and do my little dog and pony show and set up my table and sell my book and, uh, and make the check out to Bob Barnes, and uh, made a little over $500 in November, no one does seminars in December, and I was jacked. And my mentor, Dr. Wendell Hawley from uh, Tyndall House Publishers Calls, And he said, "Uh, are you still getting the money for the book? And I said, yeah, why? He said, you should give it to Sheridan House. You're kidding, right? This is why I wrote a book. And I didn't say that because I want to at least act like a Christian. And so he says, you know, Ken Taylor, who did the Living Bible, he gives it all away. He doesn't get it. Why don't you try it this year? I said, all right. And so I'd go and, and... Make the check out to Sheridan House. Well, then James Dobson picked the book up, because it was a niche book. It was on single parenting, and no one, I mean, there were churches that banned me, because they said I was endorsing divorce. Um, and so, but it, it just went nuts. And by the end of the year, it was in seven languages. And uh, yeah, six figures. And he called. And because I let Sheridan House do it, author's price is 50% off to buy a book. Uh, but if the ministry, he, only charged 10%. It was, ni- it was, it was uh, 90% off, $10 book, uh, give Sheridan House for a dollar. It's over $100,000. He calls, are you still doing this? Letting Sheridan House sell the book. I said, you know, I got to think about it. Because <laughs> I'd found out how much, it, yeah. And I go home to Rosemary and I said, you know, I'm thinking about changing, uh, you found out how much it costs, how much Sheridan House made, right? And I said, yeah, Rosemary, it was over $100,000. She said, so at what point would you go back on this commitment? How many zeros?" It was so irritating. And then 11 books later, I mean, yeah, it's not funny. (laughs) It's over a million dollars for all the 11 books. But I'm convinced of this. That book would have lasted a year and gone out of print. But for you. And you're breaking me of my materialism. You're breaking me of my confidence in money. Yeah, there's a great Josh McDowell quote. And Josh McDowell says this, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. He's either lying about who he says he is, or he's a lunatic that he thinks that, or he is Lord. And that's what Paul wants us to know. Paul wants to make sure, do you know who adores you? Do you know who put on skin and came for you? Do you really know? Paul wants to make sure, he wants to make sure we know. He wants to make sure that Jesus is infinitely greater than we can possibly imagine. Lean not to your own understanding. You can't imagine that he's infinitely, phenomenally greater. Yeah. Letter B, Jesus is not the focal point of a religion. Jesus is the doorway to a relationship with God. A relationship, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. I have a relationship with Almighty God. How can this be? How can this be? Because he loves me and he initiated it. Yeah. Jesus said in in John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father unless they're a Baptist. (laughs) Oh, no, except through me. Except through me. It's not about a religion. The religion is the envelope. That we come to worship it's all about a relationship so when you tell me it's about a relationship lord it's so hard because i don't know how to have a relationship you know when people call rosemary constantly can we get a cup of coffee uh or can we go out to lunch and they say rosemary goes yeah let's do it what's up nothing i just want to get to know you better you know in other words i just want to bond if gruntler called me and said can we go out to lunch and i say what's up and he says i just want to bond i'm not going I don't even know what to do. This is weird. Yeah, and I think that's why God gave gave us a thing called marriage. And in this dynamic of marriage, which is so interesting, he gave women a body. It's a motivator. So when my woman says, "Uh, can we just talk tonight? Uh, Yeah. Uh, And all my motives are wrong. But all of a sudden, listening to her perspective... As we're talking, I learn. I need this. Bob, you need a relationship. I'm going to give you this and motivate you. But the motivation for this ought to be, I know the plans I have for you. I wove you together in your mother's womb and your days were written before you were. All these verses about us, yeah. It's it's an issue of imagine a baby at eight months being asked in the womb, do you want to come out? And given the option, you know what? As cramped as it is in here, I understand it. I know it. It sounds scary out there. And that birth canal is so small, I think I'm going to stay. But thank you for the offer to come out." And then the baby comes out and goes, Wow! This whole picture here, we get to have a relationship, but we individually and personally have to pursue it. Yeah, Our worship of Jesus is manifest in our complete trust and obedience. Yeah, that's Romans 12.1. Bob, present yourself as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Jesus is calling somebody. A living sacrifice. And it says, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God's done for you, present yourself as a- Bob, present yourself as a living and holy sacrifice. And you've got to ask yourself, when was the last time I sacrificed for him? In view of God's mercy, in view of what God's done for you, is this too much to ask? And then that verse ends with this amazing statement. This is your holy act of worship. I don't know that we worship at church. I think we praise. I think we study and are taught. But you worship out there, presenting yourself as a living and holy sacrifice. Think, Think of the greats. Think of Abraham walking away from his mansion in the land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Never in a house again, always in a tent. And in heaven, he's somebody. And I can promise you, he's got a big house in heaven. Yeah, trust and obedience. And our trust and obedience, just as Jesus showed us that he was resurrected to heaven, he has guaranteed that his followers will be resurrected to heaven. Yeah, the the only... The only way you can kind of get past a little lily, Pacienza, three years old, is, wow, she didn't have to go, she got to go, and Paul says that in Philippians. If I have to live, I'll live for Christ. If I get to die, it's all for me. That's all for me. That's the only way you can come to grips with that. The fun thing is um, uh, a lot of theologians believe we will all be 33 forever in heaven. Which, I'll be happy to be 33. I'll be skinny again in heaven, so I'll be be happy with that. Um, But can imagine Rob arriving and this little three-year-old running up, so he recognizes her, and then in his arms she becomes her 33-year-old self. Wow. Forever and ever, amen. Wow. Wow. It says in John 1.1, the beginning of the Gospel of John, in the beginning the Word already existed, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created... Everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything and was created. And and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. And so that we don't get it, skipping down to verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. This word that spoke everything, it's Jesus. This is who loves you. This is who died for you. Yeah, understanding, no, it's not our place to understand it, it's our place to believe it, period. Understanding the enormity of God is impossible. Trusting the omnipotence of God is mandatory. The omnipotence, that he knows everything. That he knows absolutely everything. One of my two favorite verses we're going to end with, one of my two favorite verses is Ephesians 3.20. And there's such important things in both of these. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Can I say, I've asked for pretty big things. And it's always been bigger. I asked for the 27 acres on uh, Sheridan, just past I-75, that's now the academic village. When it was nothing, I asked for that. When it was nothing, we had it. It was a done deal. We had it 20 years ago. And then all of a sudden, Broward County Schools bought it out from under us. I was so mad. And I'm going for a long drive talking to Jesus. 27 acres, that would have been amazing. Bob, I have 60 for you. Well, I wish you would have said it out loud. No, don't trust in the 60 with all your heart. And not just 60. It's actually 57 point something. 60 is easier to say. But a piece that is the most strategically placed peace for what we do in all of South Florida. People can come up 75 from Miami. People can come across from Naples for counseling on 75. People can come from Palm Beach County on the sawgrass that didn't exist yet. And people can come on 595. How did you do this? This is amazing. Unto him was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is as at work within us. So how is your power at work within me, Lord? By you trusting me. No, I don't need anything from you. I just want you to trust me with all your heart. But here's a a key. Because many people can't handle success. And when God does success in their life, and I'm sorry to say this, this is probably so true of people in the ministry. When God gives them success, then all of a sudden it's about them And all of a sudden they're speaking at church growth seminars as if they did it. Yeah. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. To him forever and ever. Amen. So over 30 years ago, I was doing a parenting seminar for a little church called Flamingo Road Baptist Church. And uh, the, the guy walks me to the car and uh, his name was Bob Hammer. He started the church. had been there four years. And he said, I'm telling him this weekend I'm going back to Tennessee. Would you cover the pulpit? I said, what does that mean? He said, would you come here and teach? Um, I don't think so. And he said, well, I heard you just did something over at First Baptist uh, for four weeks. I said, yeah, I threw up in the parking lot on the way in, too. And he said, well, pray about it. This was on a Wednesday night. Pray about it. And, I, and Friday he called. I wasn't going to call him back. Friday he called and said, uh, are you going to do this? I said, let me do it for a month, and let's see how it goes. So I did it for a month, and it was going OK. And they had 240, 250 people there. But Rock Creek had just sold all their houses. They were built up in another neighborhood. And all of a sudden, instantly, there are thousands of people on Flamingo Road. And there's really only one other place to go to church, the church next door to Flamingo, uh, New Horizon Methodist. So it is filling up and filling up and filling up. And before we hit the one-year mark of me, it was gone from 250 to 1,200, and we had to go to three services. I was feeling pretty good about me. And they asked me to be the pastor. And I said the correct answer: I was going to be the pastor. I said the correct answer. Well, let me fast and pray about that. And uh, my mentor down here, David Hamilton, who was the executive pastor of First Baptist. Uh, called and said, uh, there's a rumor out there you might go be the pastor at, at Flamingo. I said, well, it's growing. And he said, let's have lunch. And he said, what do you know about being a pastor? You just get to do the fun thing. You show up, and everybody says, nice message. I didn't want to tell him they haven't said that. but. And so he said, you don't know anything. You haven't dealt with conflict. You, haven't, you don't know anything. And he said, you really need to process this. So then four pastors come out for the third service. O.S. Hawkins, who was the pastor there, and I can't remember who the other three were, and they wanted to... because everybody would heard about it. I mean, 1,200 in less than a year. Um, And we go to lunch. They want lunch afterwards because they want to hear what I'm doing. And I'll never forget this. This was from God. We're sitting there, and Hawkins says, uh, well, something's really happening here, but I want you to know. It ain't you. I just heard your sermon. And the other two are looking. This literally happened. The other two are looking down at the table because they wanted to say it and didn't have the guts, but he's from Texas. He said anything comes out of his mouth. And I drove around realizing, what was wrong with me? I love Sheridan House. It was all ego. Yeah. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Everything good that happens, can he trust you with success? Because if he can, get out of the way. But you got to know it's not you. And you got to know This is why you're here. Look for the big things. Give Him the glory. Risk big. Because it's not a risk. It's not a risk. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.